And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do that, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, a deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we're going to have a little bit of fun with some bad. Rockies players, we're gonna we're gonna it's talk the about most fun, right? Uh, in a way, sometimes it is. Though I will say, some of the responses have me looking a little bit sideways at some of y'all. But we're gonna get into all that. Actually, I do think it's gonna be a really fun topic to talk about your favorite bad Colorado Rockies players of all time, and and we'll see how people are defining bad. That will be fun, become a fun and interesting part of the conversation. But first, Patrick, uh, we do have to begin with big news inside the National League West as the San Diego Padres have not only swung a deal to acquire Blake Snell, giving up some pretty decent minor league talent, and we'll get into that a little bit, but still acquiring one of the game's most well-known pitchers, a Cy Young Award winner who uh, was just that close to maybe leading his team to a World Series and all of that stuff. Well, he heads to San Diego. Uh, That rotation gets a lot scarier. And it sounds like they're right now, as we speak, potentially finalizing a deal to send you Darvish from the Chicago Cubs out there to San Diego as well. Uh, Going all in are the Padres doing what they can to try to catch those Dodgers, cement themselves as the second best team in the National League. And, you know, we'll get to the Rockies sort of perspective on this a little bit later, but uh, they may well have done that. Yeah, the, the the Padres are just insane right now with with these moves. You know, they're not going to have Mike Clevenger, who they they got at the trade deadline last year. They did sign him to a two year uh, extension, but ultimately he's going to miss uh, the entirety of the twenty twenty one season. So he's he's almost a transaction, you know, an off season transaction next year. That's right. still to come. Darvish has three years left on his deal. Snell has three years left on his deal. So like they've got a very serious window of contention here and 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 in addition to these these two pitchers that they're going to have to bolster their rotation they also signed south korean uh middle infielder hassan kim who you know might not necessarily develop uh, he might not be the next ichiro suzuki i don't think anyone ever will be but you know could be he could be their version of of kaz matsui a guy who might be able to hit close to 20 home runs Steal 20 bases. He's still incredibly young. I think he's only 24 years old. Was one of the Mets top players. Matsui, but no, you're right. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what version, but, I, but again, right, that's actually a great player to use for that comp because that's a lot of the things with these international guys that come over and have great numbers in other leagues. And that, that's sort of been the thing. It's like some of them have come over and excelled. You mentioned Ichiro. Um, 
Uh, Hideki Matsui had a pretty quick transition, I felt like. He he, he was, was pretty fantastic right away. Dice K had a slower transition, was never the superstar, right, that people expected, but finally sort of got into it. So th there's a spectrum here, but you got to be excited about it because it's a fun spectrum to be on. Kaz Matsui is years in the Mets. That's the low end of the spectrum. Uh, they were very disappointed in him out there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just... They continue to be, and again, for the, the objective third-party observer, right? one of the most fun teams in baseball, all this young talent, and just new fresh blood. It's always fun. Oh, look at this guy. Look at that guy. The shiny new toys under the Christmas tree. And they're good ones. Uh, they're all, you know, I've, I've long been a, a U Darvish fan. There's there's another one, actually. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I did see a lot of people saying, you know, hey, the Rays don't lose trades very often. Um, you know, I, I think we can get a little too cute with that, but giving up two catchers I thought was interesting. That was the thing I was like, mm, Rays, damn you. Managed to get a top pitching prospect and two catchers. They are very smart. Um, but there's one other thing. I, I just wanted to throw this at you, Patrick. And I don't know. I've been, I've been up and down on him throughout his career, but what do you think Blake Snell's career ERA plus is? Good question. Uh, I don't think it would be too much over let's say 110 partially because he's only had one superstar season and last right. year he was a little bit above one war you know for for a shortened season so i had that gone a little bit longer that i'm sure would have helped boost his overall average you know era plus but um has been you know again around a, a one more player outside of that that cy young award season right. um and but but you know pitching in a well he's pitching in the AL, uh, AL East which is a very hard division to pitch against now if yeah. you're if you're Garrett Cole you're pitching in the AL East but you have to go against the Tampa Bay Rays and not right. the Yankees whereas Blake right. Snell doesn't yes. have to face the yes. Rays who are good hitting club and, and and have been for the last few years but you you got to go and, and face those Yankees in right. Yankee Stadium so it right. does flip the script a little bit um, but what what is his ERA plus you were right in the neighborhood it's one thirteen. Okay. It's okay, 113. Yeah. You know, and John Gray's career ERA plus is 107, for those of you wondering. They have the exact same number of years of pitching uh, at a 130 or higher, uh, except for that one of those for Snell was this last shortened season. Other than that, uh, you're right. He's he's heavily buoyed by his Cy Young award-winning campaign where, Patrick, he put up a 217 ERA plus. Absolutely incredible. But in other full seasons, he's actually been like a 104 to 113 guy. Uh, and, th and that's interesting. So I'm not sure that the Padres are acquiring quite the ace uh, that, that some people are making it out to be. And, and again, back to the race thing, I wouldn't be shocked if two years from now we're going, man, look at all these dudes the Rays picked up. But uh, I, as I said today, th this was my take on the trade. And we can get into this part of it or, or push it to the other but, you know, I think this is a trade that was good for both teams. Uh, I think it's terrible for the game of baseball. But I think it was good for the Padres and the Rays. And there were some people who understood what I meant by that immediately. And a lot of people who, you know, wanted to know, we can get into that. Because that's a, it's totally fair to be like, what are, you, what are you talking about? How can there be a trade that's good for both teams involved? Everyone comes away happy. Well, the teams do anyway. Um, and both teams in a way got better in their own um, idiom, right? In their, in their own ways that they're trying to succeed in their own philosophy. Um, but yeah, it is. I do, I do want to talk about that. I yeah, do want to talk but, about just and to, to unpack a couple of things you, you know, you mentioned is that you go, wait a minute, 
Snell and John Gray, eh, not that far apart if you're just looking at ERA plus. But it was, you know, again, we've talked about it this this whole offseason trying to trying to school up everybody that a player's on-field value is only half of the equation. It's also his contract. And because it's a, a very, you know, team uh, friendly contract where he's making, I think, maybe eleven million next year, then thirteen and then sixteen million dollar team option. So that's that's pretty cheap for a front end of the rotation guy, even if he is just a number it's two. Extraordinarily that's, cheap. That's a bargain. And so you look at it from the spectrum of the Padres going, look, maybe we're going to overpay for Snell, but we're going to get a number two, even if he's a number three, at this price, young, you know, controllable. But it's gonna what it's going to do is allow us to make some other moves around it because we're locking in a really low rate. We can still go out and get another ace-type guy who's making about $20 million, which is what you Darvish is making. So they're getting two front-of-the-line starters for a combined $30 million over the next three seasons. And you go, oh, okay, so maybe they lose the trade to the Rays, but overall they, they gain you know, a lot more than that. And, right. and that's kind of the, the bigger picture. And you know, some teams can be afraid of, of making those trades and going, ah, if we make that deal and he's more successful with that team, we're going to look bad. You, you can't make those trades. If, you know, again, fantasy baseball is a, a, a breed unto itself and a, and a sport in a way, in a game right, <laughs> unto itself, right. of course. But one of the best strategies is for someone who's in the know, someone who's a knowledgeable you know, baseball fan, the more trades you make, the better off you're going to be because you're going to win more trades than not. So when I played, I didn't win every single trade. But if I was wheeling and dealing, making two, three trades a week, which I often did, uh, because I, I didn't have that personal connection to players, they were just stats, right? Which is a lot easier to do than a real GM. But right. I was able to wheel and deal. And by the time I was done with those two or three trades, you look at what I have and you go, this is almost criminal, what, what you're doing. And so, yeah, maybe I lost one of those two or three trades. But overall, what I did was I moved around my talent in such a way that it made me better in the present and, and in the future. And if, if there's any team that has a fantasy baseball type mantra, it's the Tampa Bay Rays because right, they have right. to make those kind of moves. And, and again, maybe this is a conversation for another day, but we look at John Gray and Blake Snell as being really similar, and yet the Rockies can't get the same value out of John Gray, whereas you see what the Rays got. Now, why is that? I mean, I don't think anybody – because we don't look at those two players as similar. The stats look at those two. Players. Well, that's one of the but, right. I think that's one but of the those things. players are not seen as anywhere close to being similar. That's a. Massive, I think within the game they might massive. be a little bit more than by the fans. Like you're right. You think? Within the game, really? well, again, there's plenty of analytics that you could look at that would say, "Man, get John Gray in another environment. Think about how good he could be. And if we poach him from Colorado, we could really get a steal." I'm sure I there think are the some biggest difference. There. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest difference is is the Rockies did not extend John Gray. They did not get an extra year or two. They didn't promise him when he was only in his second year. And again, you understand that with pitchers. It's that's really hard. Pitching is the hardest part to extend a guy because you're giving him guaranteed money. That is that's the financial yeah. thing is if a guy's going year to year in arbitration, it could get crazy and you're paying a guy by the time he's done 20 million dollars. That's what happened essentially with Nolan Arenado. Mookie Betts was making, you know, above 20 million dollars. But if you were to sign this guy in his second or third year, even before then, which is very rare, you now give him guaranteed money, but it keeps the numbers low later on down the line. And you got cost certainty. So now a guy who should be making $20 million in his final year of arbitration 
like a Blake Snow would in 2022. He's only making $16 million. Oh, and by the way, we got an additional year when he would have been a free agent. We're only getting that for, for $16 million. And it's a hard investment to make for starting pitchers because as soon as a guy goes down to Tommy John injury, forget it. You just lost a lot yeah. of, of yeah. all that surplus value. But yeah. and, and the Rockies have tried to do that with some guys. And I think, you know, as a small market club, they really need to do it more. They're, you know, all the praise they get for Herman Marquez, and you look and you say, look at how much value he has. Every team would kill for Herman Marquez. And it's not just because of how good of a pitcher he is on the field. It's because of his contract. And I think Colorado has done a good job to lock up a lot of their young guys. I really think they need to do it a lot more. Uh, if and when the time comes to make a trade like this, they can do it. So now we've arrived at our human problem. Human Because it's not. Yeah. It's not fantasy, fantasy baseball. baseball. <laughs> no, it's and, not. And um, Master Tater, a uh, step ahead of me here, asking, do you guys think there's any way the league will try to regulate raise ball? I know you've been following along with my, my Twitter all day. Uh, no, it's going to get worse. In the, in the immediate future, the incentive for the owners, every, people say this to me about the Rockies all the time, and my response is exactly the same. Patrick said it. We've, we've had this conversation on the podcast. There's no reason for the Rockies to spend the finances to get better because they can be a bad team and still make money. That's true of every single team in baseball. It's true of most teams in pro sports, but it's worse in baseball if you consider it to be a bad thing. It's it's more true in baseball than it is because of the way the economics are set up, particularly because of the bane of Major League Baseball. The absolute worst thing about our sport at the highest level, the arbitration system. And from a human standpoint, from a fantasy baseball standpoint, it's great that you can wheel and deal and get all these guys who are getting paid less than what they're worth. But I do not believe that it is good for the long-term health of an industry to be built entirely on paying every single member of your workforce less than what they're worth. I've seen other people put it this way today, make my point, but in these terms. A team came two games away from winning the World Series and immediately traded their best pitcher, largely because it doesn't actually make sense for them to keep him the more expensive he gets, regardless of whether he's worth it or not. It's actually better to have assets. It's better to roll this stuff over constantly, especially for a team in their position, and roll the dice that these four guys are going to amount to more. And I, I saw somebody else put... Uh, I, I was Ryan Spielborgs, who may get a mention later. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, he should. He very well should, right? I, I know. Actually, yeah, he was a popular answer. But, and um, I think we also need to rephrase this topic. I don't think we need to have the word bad in there. I, I know, but right? we can That's rephrase it. It's just the question, but you're, to- right. you're totally right. You're totally right. Um, but, but yeah, the, like, as Philly put it on Twitter, like, and he said this, it sucks being a Rays fan. And like, for some Rays fans, it probably doesn't. If you're, especially if you're really into the minutia of it and you're listening to TMPB. <laughs> to, I don't know what they call it out there. I don't know what the DNVR equivalent is out there. But, TCBY. Right, and you're really, it's called right. TCBY. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's I, – <laughs> I think there's going to be 
I'll just say it. I think there's going to be eventually, and if not at this CBA, there's going to be a player strike because of this stuff. I talked to, you know, it's interesting that you use the Herman Marquez example. Um, because I talked to some members of the Colorado Rockies clubhouse searching. Hey, what about Marquez's new deal? What do you think, man? Just well, let me write down a, and a couple of guys declined. They were not happy from a players and players union standpoint that our man Marquez is going to get paid less than he's worth over the next four or five years. So Patrick's a hundred percent, right? There's, there's nothing that, that you just said uh, about it from the competitive standpoint, from the moving pieces around standpoint. And especially if you're not the Yankees, the Cubs or the Dodgers, you got to play this way. And this game, you know, I'll, I'll put it another way. Moneyball. I love the book. I love the movie. It's been bad for baseball. As well, the innocent has said, Theo Epstein says he ruined baseball. And it's, in my estimation, it's because of this. Because it has created a dichotomy where you can be super rich or you can play this game. And the Rays and Padres are playing this game extraordinarily well. And they're being rewarded for it. And they're, they're seeing success because of it. And it is becoming the standard. And while that's, it, 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 you're right. Like, in a way, it has to be. I don't like the idea of the Rockies being a team that locks up a bunch of young guys for less than what they're worth for their whole careers. It just, it doesn't feel right to me, even if I know competitively that's the way to, and I, I do think the real world problem beyond just certain people's feelings that like doesn't feel right is like the players are only going to stand for that so long. Like, I don't believe this is a sustainable system forever. Uh, because if the only way to win, and, and if they expand the postseason, it only incentivizes it further. It only means, you know, spend less on your team, spend fewer resources. And this is why you and I have talked about the salary floor, right? Um, and, yeah. and I think that's the biggest thing if the players are saying, look, we won't strike, but you got to create a salary floor. Teams can't purposefully. You also shouldn't have a league where a third of the teams in baseball on any given cycle are purposefully trying to lose. Like, I just don't think that's a good system for the game, even if it's smart. And so I've seen a lot of other people making the points, and I've been making this point for, for several months, but on this day in particular saying, we've done a lot of praising of how smart the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays are at doing some of the, or the Astros and Cubs tearing down and doing these things. But we don't talk enough, I think, about the human cost of that and the long-term cost to the game about – you know, if you could devise a system for Major League Baseball, would that really be it? I think that's worth considering. I, I, I just, I filibustered you there for a while. Yeah, no, no, that, that's that's all right. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a lot to unpack. I think I think the biggest thing that I, I took away from what you said, which which couldn't be any more exact, is that I, I really do think there there is going to be some you know strife between the players association and the owners by the end of next season now we're we don't even have 2021 to look forward to to say all right when 2021 gets wrapped up here's where it could get rough because the owners do not want to pay players for 162 games just right. because they don't want to and they right. use uh, the pandemic as a reason to pay these guys less because they're going to be making less money because of the, you know, uh, the ballparks not being able to open in full capacity. That that's going to make things even more 
difficult. And they're going to have to figure out a way to agree on that. So they they almost have to make tweaks to the CBA ahead of this season. And then they got to totally break it down after that. You know, I don't I don't know what other strategies. I'm, I'm not a, an economist yeah. to figure yeah. out, you know, right. how, how fair the arbitration system is and, and everything. I, I, I think it's I think what's fair, I think these extensions for young players are are very much fair. So yeah, while Herman Marquez, you know, might be getting paid less than what he should be, we won't know that until his contract runs out. Because if he misses a single year due to Tommy sure. John surgery, you go, he made more money than he, he should have, or he more money than he would have if he had gone to arbitration each and every year. What about there the are, Ronald Acuna deal? Now, Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies was atrocious. That was the – as soon as those deals were signed ahead of yeah. the 2019 season, I I did ask some people in the Rockies clubhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because that was that was pretty criminal. I think I think the Ozzy Albies one is even worse where worse, yeah. he'll be getting paid. His you know, longer, right? His, his uh, years of extension are about $7 million. So like when he would have become a, a free agent at the age of 27 – Atlanta owns his rights for another two, three more years for $7 million each. Now, again, maybe that's part of what baseball needs is a system in place to protect these players so that they, they can go longer without making that money. If, if, if somebody comes to you and says, we're going to give you guaranteed money. Now, if totally. you continue to Dude, play really well, and oh. we're going to give you every opportunity to play really well, and we're going to support you, and if you don't take this, that's fine. But if you go forward and just just play your butt off, you know, here's how much money you're going to make. But you know what? If you get injured along the way, or if you have some issues, you know, you could just get non-tendered. We saw that with Dahl, Chi-Chi, Tony Walters, and th- those guys don't have a job. So if they don't have a job, they don't have any guaranteed money. Had they signed some kind of extension, again, maybe getting paid less than what they True. were worth. Totally. That's better for them and their family. It might not be so good for the players' association and the players' union, but I, I think that's kind of small pennies to the bigger issue that you brought up about there needs to be some kind of salary floor. And I think I think teams like the Rays are still going to find a way to you know stay above that ceiling floor, right on the floor. But yeah, and and almost just say, okay, you know what, we're going to go out and pay Jeff Mathis five million dollars for the next. Uh, we're going to give him $5 million each of the next two years. We're going to sign him for a two-year, $10 million deal, and he could he could have the second highest or third highest behind um, you know James McCann and JT Realmuto for a catcher. And you go, this guy hits barely <laughs> over 200. He's very good like, defensively. Hey, yeah, but, dude. but you're basically filling the quota to get on that salary. I floor, am and so fine you with You can that. cut that guy, and then you are still a money ball team. So I don't know that that solves the problem. But I think it would help. I, I think it would I mean, be maybe a that, step in the that right gets direction. a lot of that. That gets a lot of ball players paid, and, sure. and dudes, yeah. and, and there are going to be those dudes who get those kinds of contracts who then end up playing, and the team goes, "Oh shoot, can't cut this guy." We just brought him in. We, we, we thought it was kind of we, we just brought him in to go for the thing. So yeah, for me, that it really is about that that relationship between the owners and the players, and the extraordinary amount of power that the owners have gotten for themselves. And that really does take us back to that, that very first problem that every team in baseball has incentive to not try that hard to win. That That's not good for your sport. That's just not good for your sport. Even winning the world series, like 
not that big a deal unless you're one of the big major market teams in baseball. Like it, it from a financial standpoint, right? The the financial incentives to pay guys a lot of money to win just aren't there unless you're the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cubs. But that's about having a brand. That's because if you win the World Series as the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cubs, it's not just, hey, great, we did that. But that's X number of T-shirts you're selling in Tokyo and London and South Africa that, you know, as, as much as it would be fun if the Rays or the A's won the World Series, they're not going to start selling out of jerseys in Tokyo afterwards. And so it's, I don't know that there is a solution necessarily to the problem. Like you said, we're not economists here, but it is, uh, yeah, Kurt Flood is spinning while the innocent, because this is, this is a very tough time. And it sounds really weird because I know these guys make gobs of money. And so it sounds Drew, woe is them, right? Woe is, is the major league baseball player, but they're, again, I'm, it's a weird sort of mix of, we, I guess it's sort of political for some people, but it's, it's a free market, right? That's what we're talking about. And 30 owners have completely controlled and manipulated the market. And the major league baseball owners, are the only people who have ever actually been caught colluding to not play, pay their players fairly. And so in no industry, if your industry generates X billions and the workforce who generates that gets 1% of it and 99 goes to the owners, that's not fair. That's not right. And it, it just, you know, it's, so yeah, uh, there, and that's why strikes happen in any industry. That's typically why they happen. That's why a workforce goes on strike. It says, because without us, you billionaire owners can't make your ticket sales. You can't sell your jerseys. You can't do these things. And so that's why I think there's going to be a strike because, and, and why, you know, fans often get frustrated with it. Like what, what do we say? $12 million isn't enough for Blake Snell, like on an actual fair and free open market. No, it's not. It's, and I just ran through all the stats about he might not be as good as you think he is, but he's worth more than that. That's just the fact of it. So it's like these guys are raking in obscene profits during a time of pandemic and then using that pandemic as an excuse to cut payroll. Ah, it's gross. Yeah. You know that, yeah, the, the pandemic has little or, or, or nothing to do with, with arbitration because that's just a system that's yeah, been that's around right. forever. It's it's more about and, – and again, the, the a player's association is predominantly made up of, of more of the veteran-type guys or guys who are maybe getting close to free agency or they're, you know, they've, they've been in the league one or, or, or two or three years. Um, and so those guys are going to try to protect the older guys versus the younger ones. Like the younger players have been thrown under the bus, you know, a, a couple times totally. in a lot of ways. And, and I, and I think the veterans have just as much cause to say, wait a minute, we're definitely not getting paid uh, what we should in free agency with, again, well, with all the, these non-tenders. And now the market is just flooded with too many guys. And now the shoe dropped, right? Because it used yeah. to be, you would get underpaid while you're young, but then you'd get overpaid yes. when you were older. And right. now and now Moneyball, that's what I said. And Not now happening. Moneyball came on and said, stop doing that. And everyone went, oh, yeah, let's stop doing that. And now DJ yeah. LeMahieu is 30 years old, 31 years old. He's been underpaid his entire career. And he'll be underpaid on his next contract. He will be underpaid his entire career. Uh, up until yeah, his yeah, last yeah. season, he'll be overpaid. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Over yeah, the course of the whole the, contract, the, but yeah. it might be okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. 
fair enough. We'll see, we'll see what that deal ends up being. But it, but yeah, it is the kind of thing where it's like you used to you, you would become a free agent at twenty seven right. or twenty eight, and then you, you live make for your yeah. big deal. And it's just not that way anymore. No one's doing that. No, you sign and, the extension ahead of time, or yeah. And really, what it could mean is you're going to have more young players signing extensions because right. before it'd be like, right. hey, we'll give you this guaranteed money, but we're going to postpone your free agency by a year or two because hey, we're giving you this guaranteed money, so it's got to be a give and take. And you go, oh man, but getting the free agency is going to be really valuable. You know what? I'll give up that free agency now. It's like, shoot, control me, G- give me that guaranteed money because I don't know if I'm what my my deal is going to end up being when I become a free agent if if there right. is going to be any money out there. So. You know, we could see more of those deals happening. The fact that we haven't is a little bit curious. Um, yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty. It's some, not going to be pretty. Yeah, I think we are going to yeah. see uh, a lot of uh, unrest between these two sides. And, uh, yeah, the next year I don't think is going to be fun covering baseball, Drew, because I really fear for the worst. I really yeah, think I, I it may too. come to that. I do too. On top of the Dodgers and Padres being the two best teams in the National League, we're also going to have this. But we got Coors Field. We'll be able to go they, this year, we think. We'll be able to watch at least might be one. In Clubhouse? No, we're not. We, <laughs> nah, we, we'll be able to watch some really good players and the opposing yep. team. No, no. We, we just don't. We don't know who is going to be on the Rockies next year, but there's going to be some excitement. You know what? Even when your team sucks, and we're we're gonna we're gonna get to it because the Rockies have have long you know Rockies fans have long suffered, right? If you're talking about going to the playoffs as a as a moment to be like, hey, I'm glad I'm a, a fan of this team or going to the World Series. Hey, I'm a glad there hasn't been as many of those moments. That being said, you still have great memories. You still have fondness for players, and so yes, maybe the Rockies do finish in the bottom of the NL West the next three years because the Padres and Dodgers are so powerful. But as you know, a guy who's still a baseball fan outside of being a journalist, I'm still going to love covering the Rockies. I'm still going to love going to the ballpark and watching those guys play and thinking, hey, maybe this is the year so-and-so clicks. Or, hey, maybe this guy developing in the minors could be a real deal. There's still a lot to be excited about. Yeah. And, and I'll finish on a, you know, a, an analogy I made last week, which I think it, it, maybe it's just always has worked for me a little too well. But I said rooting for the Colorado Rockies is a lot like – playing a Super Nintendo game, an original Super Nintendo game, like those of you that really know I'm talking like Castlevania, Mega Man. These games were built specifically because the technology was limited at the time to be unfair, to punish you, to be really, really hard, to get more quarters out of you or, or to, so you'd play it longer because so, you'd have to retry over arcade and over, games. And over and over again. Yeah. yeah. Or even, even stuff on the – yeah, arcade games get more quarters out of you, but even on the home consoles because they didn't have the technology to make it like a – a 30-hour experience, right? They're like, well, how do we get people to play the game longer? Let's make it so hard. They basically have to learn the game in order to, to beat it, right? So I played Castlevania three from the time I was five years old until deep into my run in college. And that's when I beat it, was in college. And the amount of elation I had, finally, because after a while it became like, I'm not even playing it to beat it. You don't win. You just get as far as you can. And then something kicks your ass and you go, well, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And for me, it's just like, you know, it it, it really is funny because I, I think a lot of my frustrations come with analysis that in my mind is like, play a different game or like, just use a cheat code or like reprogram the game using codes. That would be uh, like, have Dick Monfort sell the team. It's like, well, that's not going to happen 
the game is what it is. I'm going to keep trying. I'm just going to keep trying to figure it out. I keep playing it over and over again. People are like, you should play a different game or you should do this. Or that. I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to solve this problem. I'm trying to beat this here. Uh, and so that, that's part of why for me, it's, it's always been like, yeah, you know what? Okay. The Dodgers and the Padres, they're the two best teams in the division. Guess what? Castlevania continues to be on hard mode. Here we go again, baby. I'm going to see if we can speed run this thing. And if we've memorized, and you know, you always put it as, you know, everything needs to go right for the Colorado Rockets. Like, yep. Welcome back to level one. Here we go. If everything goes right, I'm going to win this thing. If not, <laughs> wild the innocent. Thank you, sir. May I have another, right? It's just everyone like in Albuquerque, everyone in Hartford, everyone in Lancaster, Fresno, Grand Junction, Asheville, Spokane, Boise. Guess what? None of those people, none of those areas can win a World Series next year. The Rockies have a chance because they play. And again, right. and it might sound silly and it might almost sound like a put down, like, well, they're a major league team, so they have a chance. There's there's friggin' value in that. Like there, yeah. that's something. Again, the, the best baseball players in the world play in MLB, and more than half of them come to Coors Field and you get to see them. Like right. that's that's it's great. also the yes, most it sucks if your team isn't in great. The world, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just there's like still, I, I there's saw, still a lot of good things there. I saw Will say the Padres have won like four offseason championships since 2010. That's funny. <laughs> I do think they're legitimately good now. And I called out all those other ones that I thought were BS. It's a good offseason. But there is that, like, I'll, I'll never forget the Sports Illustrated cover after the Angels picked up Albert Pujols and uh, CJ Wilson. And it, was, and it just said, World Series dynasty. And it's like that team never won a postseason series, not one. And, you know, the we, we, this isn't the NBA, is in the NFL. We cover a sport where the best team in baseball wins the World Series like a third of the time. If you were a betting person and you were to either bet who, who's the best team in baseball, Dodgers, or the field to win the World Series, you would take the field. Every, every single time. time. Yes. You do if you're a Dodgers fan, you'd be right. You'd be gum to to again, you get to have your cake and eat it too. I like making those kind of bets. Cause you right. go, okay, so you mean to tell me if the Dodgers win the World Series, my favorite team, by the way, don't cut that drop and then use it again. <laughs> uh, I'm speaking as a different fan, maybe I have to use an accent. Right. But my favorite team wins the World Series, or I win a pot of gold. When I'm I don't lose. I don't lose. So yeah, right. I would bet against my team in that instance you're right yeah it's it's so hard to have what what is a dynasty now like since the year 2000 was last time we had, i was i had that same thought the giants today, you know, the giants in in 10 12 and 14 you go okay that was pretty good that was close. and then it's just like you look at the dodgers and you go all right they won the nl west the division titles you know yeah. for for seven years of the 2010s and you go okay that's something but we're not talking about a lot of multiple world series wins i mean you could stretch the Red Sox out if you go from, you know, 2004 to 2013 in nine years, but there's not a lot of carryover Again, off players. There's, and there's down Besides years Kajoya in and there. Poppy. Yeah. Very down years. Absolutely. Same thing with so the Giants. Really you know, the years they do. weren't winning the World Series, they were they were totally missing the the postseason and stuff. So it's, yeah, we haven't seen a true dynasty in baseball since the Yankees, the Derek Jeter Yankees. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we'll... Dodger fan Patrick Lyons. There it is. Write it down. Set it here first. Pronounce it. Yeah. Latrick Pyons. <laughs> oh, there. Oh, there. It's oh, a bizarro world. It's bizarro world. 
I submit that it should actually be now, Drew. Here's a quick question. Wow, we're getting off the rails, but this is fun, and this is a question for everyone listening right now. Do you know what your name is backwards? Like, do you just know it? Oh no, I mean, I know what my first name is backwards. Now, see, see, there. I think there's two types of people in this world. There are people out there that are listening. Go, oh yeah, I I know what my backwards last my full name is. Like, I'm Kurtap Snoil. Like, I just know that. Okay. Uh, yeah. My wife also knew it. She was her name's Robin, so she goes. She's like, "Oh yeah, Nibber. I I know I'm Nibber." And I was like, "I was like, I like this girl. I like this girl." I know now. I had oh, I, I I oh Creaseman backwards sounds hard. Nam, no, Yerk. No, that's too hard. Namsirk. Yeah, Namsirk. Yeah, word Namsirk. Word Namsirk. Yeah. That's great. You should have yeah. known this a long time ago. Your that's my Game of Thrones it. name too, as it turns out. Word Namsirk. Yeah, and Kurtap yeah. Snoil. Like these are just good names. Um, the best was a baseball uh, teammate of mine, Lee Merlot. His name backwards was Eel Olrem. Now that is a great name. That this is a separate podcast. The best backwards name. Happening? The best backwards name. Rockies players. Oh, we'll have to figure man. it out. But there, there are people listening to this right now. They, they know what they're the backwards. Future. I was going to say, I'm sure they know some it. percentage of the audience. People will like, reach out. I like, do oh, Kurtap Snoil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, you know what? I'm actually going to switch because I realized I was about to queue up for the, the wrong sponsor. As much as we love DraftKings, we're going to make them wait their turn. And actually, this is great because I have been getting a heavy dose of that Hassel Cattle Company lately patrick got the the meat order in i'm having the bacon having some steaks haven't mm. gotten into the jalapeno cheese sausages that we've got just yet actually thinking wow. about passing those along as a christmas present um but at very very into the quality that we're getting here from our blue collar wagyu beef or in other words what if you're really looking to what that means and they just take care of it. If you care about things like it being free range, not having all the uh, hormones and antibiotics and all that stuff in your meat. If you care about how it's taken care of, you want it to be high quality. And then you don't want to have to pay like three times as much for all of those things than you would just getting something at the grocery store. Get it from Hassle Cattle Company. I'm not messing with you. Go check it out right now. H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com. HassleCattleCompany.com. Check their prices. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to be blown away because this is super high, high quality beef that you're maybe paying a dollar or two more for than you would that stuff that's filled with garbage you don't want to put in your body. Mm-hmm. And that's frankly treated inhumanely. And then the way that they're treated inhumanely, sorry, I'm getting up on this, but I just, I know about the stuff I care about for a while. It's really bad for the environment, the, the that kind of farming. Like we want it, we got to move away from that. And this is a really easy way to do it. That doesn't break your bank, allows you to feel good about what you're putting in your body and it tastes delicious. So you also get free shipping. If you order over 200 bucks, they've got a like a $200 package that I highly, highly recommend. If you're not quite sure about that, maybe order something a little lower, but use promo code DNVR10 either way because you'll get 10% off. Uh, highly, highly recommend as a person who eats beef with like 75 to 80% of the meals that I have. And so to be able to move away from stuff that just... Yeah, I never felt great about to this. Very, very exciting. Yeah, we, we know how good Moneyball can be where you get great value for your buck. This is money beef, so enjoy it. Money beef. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, right? little money beef. All right, Patrick, let's move into the other, I guess this is more fun, 
uh, part of the guy. It actually, it really, really is. Wow. There are now over a hundred responses from this tweet that I posted about wow. five hours ago asking people. And, and this is, I'll, I'll, here's the question I put out. Who is the worst player to ever suit up for the Rockies who you still unabashedly love no matter what people say? And a lot of people have, have taken this. Patrick, I got to say, man, I, uh, Rockies fans need a hug. They, they, you, need a, <laughs> you need a warm cup of cocoa. You need a hug. Mm-hmm. You need a blankie. Because the number of people who responded Dante Bichette to this, <laughs> I just, you know, look, man, <laughs> what, uh, what, what's your take on that? Look, I'll say my piece, but what, I mean. I don't know. It, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I'm thinking these could be folks that are new to the Denver metro area. They're like Yankees fans. And so they're like, all right, which one of the 17 Hall of Famers did I get to see, you know, playing for the Yankees in 2004? You know, which one? Right. You know, all right, let's cross those 17 guys off. All right, who's next? Uh, Jimmy Key or Homer Bush, you know, the guys you see at Old Timers Day. They're like, oh, I remember him. Like, yeah, he was up for a, a cup of coffee. And you don't really remember the the Blake Street Bombers. And you go, because you go, well, they're only, Larry Walker was the Hall of Famer. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Dante Bichette really wasn't that good. But that's where you, you got to know, like, Dante Bichette means everything to yeah, the Rockies it, organization. Andres Gonzal- Andre Galarraga should mean a lot more. Than, right. You know, we want to see him back more in a, in a coaching role or in a, in a scouting role, something like that. Same thing with Els Burks. We already see that with Vinny Castillo. Like, these are the gems. Like, if you think of the Mount Rushmore, like, you know, you, you're going to need more than, let's say, four guys on that Mount Rushmore. And not because they're all Hall of Famers, but because of just what they mean to the organization. And, yeah, so to have Dante Bichette could uh, could be a troll maybe. I don't know. who Now, who is your guy? I want to – I love who oh, your pick was. Your you you want to talk about my guy? Yeah. Um, I will say uh, some some members of the media and a, a former sort of boss of mine picked Dante Bichette, uh, <laughs> mostly based on, a, I think, an over-interpretation of analytics and how bad he was on defense and stuff. But, yeah, my guy was Navy Perez, who, wow. in my mind, in my recollection, was just a solid, but not especially good, but solid mm-hmm. shortstop who just held down the position for several years for the Rockies. And uh, he was one of the guys you were kind of happy to see when he came to the, to the ballpark during his time. And if you look, and again, maybe I'm doing what they're doing to, to Dante, but with, with somebody with much worse metrics, because there are no statistics you can find that will tell you that Navy Perez was in any way an above average baseball player on offense, on defense, at any point in his career. I don't think he ever put up like a positive war or a positive WRC plus none of it. Like he just wasn't, He's healthy. He was healthy. healthy. Two games, twice, which yeah. is a steal. I, I bet you one of the reasons why you may have liked him is because you go, we know what the Blake, Bomb, uh, Blake Street Bombers can do. They hit home runs. Look at this guy. He can pick it at short. He's fast. He's capable of hitting a triple. He's more unique, right? It's like it's yeah. like you don't want to root for the most obvious guys. You know, like I, I think, you know, some baseball fans can be more contrarians right. than others. It, it's why I really clung to John Vanderwall was a guy where, mm-hmm. again, growing up in New Jersey, not sure if I mentioned that, but when I would come out to Colorado every summer, go into Coors Field for, for a game, um, I would – John Vanderwall was just this guy where, again, he had that that Montreal Expo stank on him, which was great, gave him that value, right? 
right. uh, teammate of Larry Walker's uh, there up in Canada. And it, it seemed like every time he came off the bench, he did something big and you go, this guy gets underappreciated. It's easy to appreciate the players and the teams right. that are good. But when, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to appreciate some of those other things. That's why I, you know, my, my favorite times going to baseball games as a fan was in the, the, the mid to late nineties going to Phillies games when they absolutely stunk. And Scott Rowland was the only good player that they had for a while. And they had Kurt Schilling and they ended up trading him. They didn't get anything for him. It was like when, when the stadium's empty and everyone's down on your team, that's when you're kind of pushed to the limits and you go, all right, let me work a little bit harder and see, you know, what's, what's not as obvious, what else is there. And so for you, Nafi Perez, love that. For me, John Vanderwall. Do you want to just start reading some of these? these yeah, comments? I was going to say, that, dude, there's so they're many. So good. Um, Judy, uh, uh, at yeah. Judgy Judes, Eddie Butler. He had such a hangdog expression when he oh. didn't pitch well, which was often. And I just wanted to hug him. And you don't even know. Like, it was even worse in the clubhouse, Judy. <laughs> like, it was like, uh, I love Eddie Butler. That's a great answer. Our boy Ryan him. Carter says, Willie Tavares, who was, who was really good. Now, but uh. see this this one I he wasn't great his second year though he did manage to lead the league in stolen bases he had a very strange two year stint in Colorado over the course of his career uh, I don't think Tavares like ever put up like a positive uh, WRC plus or OPS plus or anything a lot of his value came in things that are much more difficult to measure his defense and base running but he had three twenty for the Rockies in two thousand seven and I know we don't care about batting average anymore but give me a center fielder who plays excellent defense, who steals bases at an extraordinary rate, and who hits 320, that's not a, a below-average player. I don't care what War says. So I I, I stand Willie Tavares, man. You know, not you just because he's on my Nostars team. <laughs> I was going to say, that could be one metric. is like if they're a starter on our Nostars, you go, uh, you got to maybe take it with a little grain of salt. Nafi Perez, he's on my bench. So he plays. Bench. John Vanderwall, didn't get taken. So right. they, they fly. Eddie Butler, not drafted. Good play. Bears, yeah. eh, maybe not as much. How about this one? Kevin Kahn, got to give him some love. He said, quote, I'm going to get killed for it, but Ian Desmond, the human being he is, and his dedication to a cause near and dear to my heart, neurofibromatosis is why. And you can't go wrong with that. Him and Tony Walters are two yeah. of those guys who have given back to the community in ways that we'll never know. Like those kind of guys were like, Look, I'm coming in. Don't tell anybody. I just want to say hi to all the kids and whatever. Sign some balls. I want to bring in some some memorabilia, whatever it is. Please don't tell anybody. I don't want to get any publicity because it's going to get spun out. Like, oh, Ian Desmond's doing this because he knows. No, that's just the kind of guy Ian Desmond is, whether there's a camera there, a reporter there, or otherwise. That's just right. who he is. I love that yeah. one. yeah. Yeah, and somebody I actually think I was trying to find it picked both of those two, and I do think they're the two guys oh, wow. from the most recent team that fit this category the best. That are just that should be beloved because of who they are. But you got, but when you look at their stats, you go. Mm. <laughs> Patrick Kincaid got to go at Rex Brothers. Just a great that. name too. Pick. His name yeah. was just one reason why I was already a kind of a fan of his. And you go, oh, Lefty. Man, he is ticking off a lot of boxes. Yeah, Rex Brothers, Sexy Rexy. He was actually really good one year in Colorado. But fell off, so I think that counts. I think that's a good 
example. I did end up throwing him to just finalize. We had to, we had to sort of finish out our Nostars team so that we could run those Sims. And Sexy Rexy did end up making my team. I needed a lefty. It was him or Joe Bimel. You already had Bruce Ruffin. You know, what a, what a long and storied history of quality left-handed relievers do the Rockies have. Couple people was a popular answer. Kevin Hurd, Weenie Hut Jr., Ian Stewart. Thought yeah, that guy Ian was hitting the bomb Stewart every AD, was, no matter how awful he was by Kevin Hurd 24. Yeah, he was maybe the second most popular. Uh, Michael Dishner came in with Ian Stewart. Blake Heitmer came in with Ian Stewart. Uh, just going through here looking. Yeah, Stewart was a, a surprisingly popular pick in my estimation because, again, in my recollection at the time, the fans hated him for being a guy who cared more about Xbox than uh, playing <laughs> baseball and, and who hit a buck 80 and struck out 37% of the time. And then when he finally made contact, it went 500 feet. But you were like, dude, maybe a, a change in approach might be in order. And But he was so much fun. And I think people also forget how good he was defensively, too. It's like, because now we, you know, we, there's Nolan there, so who cares? But actually, Ian Stewart... He was really fun to watch when he was on. He just wasn't just wasn't on very often. Best contribution that he made was being a part of the DJ LeMahieu deal. Right. Uh, our man ACL said uh, EY Jr. or Chris yeah. Nelson. I like that. It's a good deep cut. I Ooh, love Chris I Nelson. Missed, yeah, I missed that I comment. love I Chris Nelson. Nelson. Uh, he was fantastic for that one year. Uh, he's, he finished by saying, they weren't particularly good, but their flashes of brilliance were a joy to watch. Pat Valleca, and I can't even tell you why by Fly by Cygnus. <laughs> that was one of my favorites from Cygnus. And that got a lot of likes. And there were a couple other people that mentioned Pat Valleca. I think that's a great pick for a dude who you're like, man, yeah, his best contribution was being pretty good at pinch hitting one season. But everyone <laughs> loved him. Like he, you got to love a guy who shows up to work and doesn't complain and does his job and does it with a smile. And Gets a couple of game-winning hits for your postseason team, and you you, you got to love Pat Valleca, man. You got to root for him. Our favorite local weekend warrior at Cormac Battle Pro, Wilton Lopez, because he threw me a ball once. Dude was awful. Well, <laughs> he was so bad Cormac. in Colorado. <laughs> uh, that's right. He was one of those. He was a, a reliever that came in whose resume was great in other places and came to Colorado. It's like lefty. Nope. No, nope. couldn't do it. Jen from the block um, said, and I agree with this one. I was a big fan of this guy, especially he, because he could play every single position, not very well. But the fact that he was allowed to was great. Jordan Pacheco, it's a shame he had a yeah. sophomore slump and never broke yeah. out of it. Love yeah, Jordan he stayed, stayed in his sophomore slump for the rest of his career. That's correct. But that one year was fun. Uh, again, yeah, another, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. We got a Mark Bellhorn by Sam Campfield. That was one of the one of the last guys to go double ear flaps. Think about right. all the guys that had a double that had ear flaps on both sides. Shinsu Chu still does it. There's not yeah. very many. He is in that that rarefied air. Love the real Andrew eighty four. I'd have to say Brett Saberhagen from that great. I loved that one. Ninety five season for no other reason other than expectations not meeting reality. Saberhagen is a great person, had a great career outside the Rocks, and still a Colorado resident, if I'm not mistaken, which would be fantastic because he's a, he's one of those maybe Hall of Famers kind of guy yeah. where somewhere down the line uh, a veterans committee could look into it. Derek Kessinger, our man Derek, uh, 
does a great job. Jamie Carroll, of and, course. And he didn't guys. even mention his, he didn't even mention his, his, uh, what are we calling it? Uh, Christmas Carol Eve from our <laughs> all stars. That was one of his crowning achievements. Come on, Derek. <laughs> Where are you at on that? We got to get him that's to sign exactly your Xbox. That's why he's, he's so much fun though. Right? Like he's, that's, that that's why I, I think he's a perfect example of one of those guys that like, yeah, wasn't a star ball player or anything close to it, but fan AJ, favorite. Love. Our own AJ Hayfley making everybody mad and said Wade Davis. Moving on. Uh, operative I really like X-ray. that pick. <laughs> For one year, man, you cannot go wrong. Operative X-ray, Jason Bates. Love that dude. I think he may yep. have the lowest war of any Rockies player. Something like negative 2.4. I'm not kidding. Look it up. He That's might be fantastic. the last. All right. Uh, our boy Chase went with Spilly. We saw a lot of that. Ryan Spilly. There was some Spilly man. and some Sully. Yeah. And I there should that... be more. I think there should be more, to be honest. I think just because they're like still a part of the community. And it's right. like you, you have to almost forget about them for a minute to come back. It's like Pokemon or pro wrestling right. totally. or whatever, where you, you got to leave and you go, screw that. I like that, man. You know what? I don't care. I don't care how right. old I am. I'm going to go. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go get this, you know, uh, Pillow Pal Ultimate Warrior on eBay. And why not? I'm going to put it on my bed. I'm an adult, man. Why not? Love it. Got no problem with it. Absolutely none. Um, uh, Martin Berliner also supported uh, your your Nafee pick. Yep, Caitlin had the Ian Desmond and Tony Walters. Chu Freeman, Chris Bomer. Yeah. Hugh Freeman was fun for a quick second, and then not that much fun anymore. He was a he was a big little prospect. I remember yeah. again um, back when they would even have baseball cards for minor league players. I love trying to get the upper deck set from the minor league guys, and that was one where you get you go Chu Freeman. This is a great yeah. name. He's yeah. fan, he he and Quentin McCracken. I mean that's that's classic WCW Somebody hit me with Quentin yeah, I, it's not on the list here because it was a retweet, but I'm glad you mentioned that because someone hit me with a Quentin McCracken and that made me very happy. There should be a lot. That's that's why one of my favorite shirts is I have uh, New Haven Ravens. Like I think when I think of yes. New Haven Ravens, yes. I think of Quentin McCracken almost exactly. Uh, yep, Corey Sullivan, uh, David Dahl. Uh, Maddie says Ben Petrick. Yeah. Ben Petrick and Domingo with Johnny Herrera, the bean. I was surprised there wasn't there a were few couple more. Of those. That's, yeah, uh, Johnny Herrera got mentioned a, a few times. He was definitely – that was his role on the team during the Cargo and Tulo era. He was the Jamie Carroll of that team. They just didn't go to the World Series, so people don't remember mm-hmm. him as fondly. But he was that guy you just ran out there to do all the dirty work and play short or second and only hit singles. And <laughs> Jonathan Herrera. Rocks rake. Uh, Tyler goes Brandon Barnes or Daniel Descalso. Hey, Brandon he- Barnes came up a couple times. Yeah, uh, and I love he, that pick. Descalso is pretty good. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a good. little bit on the on the him being not great, but yeah. Wow, well, I mean, Barnes, never I even mean, scratch an all star appearance. Yeah. No, but no, you're right. You're right. He, he was you know what? He wasn't. Though. He wasn't even on my list of 107 all stars. No, so I mean, no. that really gives you an idea. I mean, he wasn't Willing a star. He, he was a bench player here, right? So yeah, Willing Rosario, I think might should be more. Been, should be more. Yeah, should be more. Uh, but I, I do think that Willian Rosario was the number one. I, I haven't gone through and counted every single one, but in my completely and, unscientific glance through here, I think Willian Rosario was the most mentioned player. And I do think he he should be on the award 
for yeah. a guy who just really couldn't get it done on the ball field, but you just love him anyway. He he and he, go, he goes on the list of guys that had a bobblehead. I know there's a William That's Rosario right. bobblehead. Do you remember I that? I have it somewhere. It's got horns on it. Oh, yeah. I've got the baby yeah, yeah, bull. Yeah, the baby yeah, bull. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good little obscure one. I know like Jorge de la Rosa had one. We, you know, he, he deserved it during his time. But yeah, if yeah. you think about players who had a bobblehead, you go, William Rosario, you know, if, if he would have continued that prog- progress in that season, you go, Hey, I got to get to the ballpark. I got to get to, this is his first bobblehead of what will most surely oh, be so many. many. And yet many. one of one, one of one, you got to get that one. Kurt Manwaring. I saw that. Very brief time. <laughs> Bryn Smith. I didn't catch it, really. There were a couple of – I saw Chris Iannetta once in there. I saw some Tori Alba, yeah. Yeah, Tim Larison at Sports Tim. Bryn Smith amazingly won the franchise Bryn home Smith. opener with seven shutout innings and did nothing after that. True. Right. Also thankful for the opening day performance in front of 80,000. Yeah. 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 Bryn Smith, another Ross guy that Fountain's gets – mentioned Joe Kashansky. Yeah. Know anyone out there were – Huge Joe Kishansky, guys. But this, this is so great. You never know, like, the players that people out there, you, you, you attach yourself to. That's what I love about this. One of the great Twitter follows, McTapia. It's like he listens all the time. We went Johan Flond. He knows. I know, right? He, he knows. Came, he came straight into our wheelhouse. I was like, are you just saying that for us or is that for real? Uh, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed Someone with him Mike Hampton. Enough. Wow, that's a little bit of a. I saw him on there. Maybe. Cliff Stowers. Stowers went with, I would have to say, getting to see Jamie Moyer pitch was awesome. He was so bad at that mm-hmm. point in his career. No fastball. Off-speed pitches weren't moving like they did at one time. But, yeah, I think that's a great pick, too. Like, you can't really count Jamie Moyer for being bad for the Rockies at age 49. So, yeah. I did see Jose Reyes at least twice, and they weren't kidding. Yeah. And they weren't kidding. That's so, someone who that I don't. How how does that happen? How do you? Uh, maybe you spent the summer in Colorado, and but you you know you live in like Montana, and so like that just captured that moment in 2015, and you go, oh, Jose Reyes is the a thing. Marlins are your number one team, and you just remember those years down there where he was so good. Because I saw those two, and I was like, so. oh, three comments in a row. In order by at Army Broncos, Andy, I'm on DuckTales, Andy Mac970, and Rockies Big, ooh, that's a good name, went Latroy Hawkins, Bobby Estalea, and Daryl Boston. Ooh, that's I a good three in a row. I haven't thought about Bobby Estalea. I haven't thought about Daryl Boston. I haven't thought about those last two in a long time. I forgot he was with the Rockies because he was right? mainly a Giants. Actually, I think he was with the Phillies before that. I saw him in Philadelphia. He was a big find the, Someone mentioned Benny Agbayani. Another thing I happened for a very the first Hawaiian ball player before Rico Garcia. Right. This is so fun. Juan like Uribe. Yep. Juan yep. Uribe is a is a good one. I mean, how many uh, how many baseball fans wouldn't have even remembered that he was with the Rockies just because right. he did a billion things after that with everybody else? Right. I saw a few people mention Ey Junior. Yes. That's a great pick because he was bad. But it was fun having him. Tori Yorvi, <laughs> Tori Alba, Joe Table, better known as Jose Mesa. Thank you, Blake Street Bums. Love J.D. Clauser. Love that pick. Got right. an opening day start, I believe. That's in, right. Uh, 98. 
I'm not sure what year. That sounds but did get an opening day. Great catcher name too. That sounds like a catcher. Best catcher name of all time. Somebody else came in to see if I can find somebody mentioned Jayhawk Owens. I remember when yes. I was a kid getting a pack of baseball cards and thinking, this guy's going to be amazing. No one could possibly not be a stud who's named Jayhawk Owens. This guy's multiple time all-star hall of famer. Book it. Yeah. Jayhawk Owens is doing these days. How long, like how did that? I, don't know. I think he, I think he works in NXT. Um, yeah, right, no, right. That's a NXT right. name. Jayhawk Owens. <laughs> Uh, 5937, although I think there was a reference before that. Someone did Cirillo because um, he won him 50 bucks from his twin brother on a home run at a 50 to 1 odds. My dad made him pay up. He was 13 years old. And so were you because it's your twin brother. So thanks for that one, uh, our, our buddy Alex England. So uh, love that. Oof. Anytime oh, you can win money at a game. Other, yeah, right. Anytime. Um, Jeff said, and I like that he put this qualifier on it. He said, don't know about worst, but I loved the heck at a president para. And again, that's probably the one of the guys I push back on the most because I just felt like he was so incredibly valuable to those teams. But he probably does fit into the category of more like a Jamie Carroll, certainly, than, I mean, he wasn't an all-star by any means, but he was the team's best hitter on the road both of those years and maybe their most important clubhouse presence. Hitting on the road has been the hardest thing for this franchise to do. And the biggest problem, well, at least one of the five biggest problems they've had in the last two seasons they played, in my estimation, is that there's no one there to make clubhouse fun. Robert Parra made the clubhouse fun. And, uh, yeah, I said, I, I retweeted that one. I said, one of, one of these days I'm going to write the book. Gerardo Parra was better than everyone thinks. That's all. Yeah, his scooter game was on point. We know that. We know know his scooter game was on point. Not a lot of pitchers. That's the other thing, too, which kind of goes back to the point about, you know, Rocky's pitching will just never be sexy. I mean, will they ever ever just have that guy? I mean, Ubaldo is probably the only one where he was sexy in 2010. I think, you know, again, strikeout numbers were there. Starts the Mm freaking all-star game. Mm -hmm. Dropped two friggin' bombs here uh, on the show here. This gets a lower, lowercase e. For explicit, just lowercase e, because I said friggin' twice, now three times. Um, Jose Hernandez in 2003, Ginger Tastic, CO. Again, very, very obscure ones. Right. Um, but I mean, even if you go back and look and you say, there's got to be some hardcore Rockies fans that are still around from that 95 season. And you just look at that starting rotation and go, Kevin Ritz, Bill Swift, Marvin Freeman, Armando Reynoso, nary a mention of those guys. Yeah. Bummer. Uh, yeah, but. I was bummed. I think one person mentioned Reynoso. I didn't see any Pedro Ascasio okay. or Marvin Freeman or Kevin David Ritz Reed, or Swift. the first ever Rockies player. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Jose Jimenez. Uh, I guess those guys were good. But but, they, but they're not remembered that way. They're Like Pedro Ascasio yeah. with his career 520 ERA or whatever. Like we went through all the reasons why he's better than you think. But yeah. It, it was a little disappointing, but a few relievers mixed in there. But yeah, the starting pitchers, man, no, not much love for them. No, definitely not. I'm I'm going through my my all stars list to see if any names jump out, and I'm surprised. Mike Lansing, I'm I, I would have thought would have gotten a couple mentions. You know, being yeah, you know, from Wyoming, having that that kind of local fare. He was a bit of a disappointment. You know, he signed to a three year deal, was supposed to be you know a, a pretty big thing coming from Montreal, and he was just you know, kind of okay. Right. Um, he, he was one of those guys. 
And it, but it's, it's funny because it is a good mix of, of what fan, who fans remember. And you, you kind of go and, and, and look and you say like, it didn't matter how long a guy was with the Rockies. It was just that place in time, whatever it was, just captured that moment. Or like you said, you got a, you got a pack of baseball cards, you open up a Jayhawk Owens and you go, that's my guy. That's it. Yeah. If you have a, yeah. you could have had a cool baseball card then and it right. was, you were good. And now, now in a way, there's so many baseball players who are such public figures, you know, particularly on social media, that it almost makes it hard for just the regular Joe guy to kind of, you know, uh, to build build a fan base, in a sense, you know, because yeah. it's it's just yeah. everyone knows uh, the, the Trevor Bowers that are out there and Marcus Stroman. Um, get on on Instagram; these guys will will do a lot more posting and stuff, but. Um, it's, it's just wonderful that, that people still remember these players. And that's why I think ultimately it'll be fantastic if, and when there is some kind of old timers day or just, just a celebration. And I think when they open up McGregor square, Legends they get the day. hall of fame, legends day here and slap you around. <laughs> yeah. Legend call it legends league. I mean, maybe you can even bring back some, some Dodgers and giants players just to boo. Uh-oh. <laughs> It'll be fun. There is something. It could be a thing. That's the Jerry next, Harrison. What's Jerry Harrison doing? That's the next one for next Monday. We'll get into And again, that's why you need to be following us on Twitter so you can comment. We'll read them out, give you a shout out. Say who oh, was the one player who wasn't very good. Again, don't yeah. give us any all-stars. Yeah. You can't who, take Buster Whenever they came yeah. up, yes. you go, Aubrey Huff, uh, and Scott well, Harrison, yeah. Jerry Harrison. Which one? One of those Harrisons. It could be both. The, I think it was more Scott. I think it might have been more Scott. But Jerry Harrison was with the Dodgers and Padres, I believe. Yeah. But Scott was more so with the yeah, yeah, because Scott was on that the Padres 2017, I believe. He used to be what's his name now with the Diamondbacks, but he's kind of just become a just a pretty solid outfielder. I'm totally blanking right now. Steven Souza? No. No, no. Current Current well, yeah, Nick Ahmed, dude, totally master. Uh, but basically, all the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. But uh, outfielder, <laughs> really good gap to gap hitter, not a ton of pop. David Peralta, currently Peralta, Peralta okay. for the first several years of his career was a guy who was like a league average hitter and against the Rockets. Yeah. and look at his not like still he hits like four fifteen. I'm not joking, like crushes the Rockies. But now he's just kind of seen as a thank you, Will. Yeah, um, he's a pretty good hitter and. But for Rockies fans, he's been a phenomenal hitter for half a decade. <laughs> and that's what's so fun about these conversations. Is we don't we don't need to look in the statistics because this is about just love of the game and just what you've seen. We don't we don't need the numbers to prove it. Of like, it's nice yeah, to step well, Jason Bates it. negative. Yeah. And I was wrong. It was negative two point six. <laughs> negative two point six for Jason Bates. But well, you know, how many, you know what? How many years he gave me some great memories. Or he signed a bunch of balls for me and my family at spring training. And you just go, that's your dude. And you go, yes, then it should be your dude forever and ever. And I want, when fans come back to the ballpark, one thing, and and, and we've done this too a couple of times, our, our our guy Bruce Morton, who we had on uh, at some point in the off season, where, you know, during the national anthem, you take a second, kind of catch your breath. You enjoy, you know, these, these young people doing the, the national anthem from schools all over and whatnot. And you just kind of look around the bowl and you go, what kind of crazy jerseys are we going to see and i want to see some jason bates jerseys 
I want to see some old school McCrackens. Or you know what? Show me, give me a black vest McCracken that he never wore because he didn't have the vest at that point. Field in a Quentin McCracken jersey, they should let you in for free. Like, come on, yeah. (laughs) That Joe Koshansky, a Joe Koshansky Rocky. I don't know. Uh, John Vanderwall. I think we've seen one or two every once in a while, just because it looks cool on the back of Vanderwall. That looks so cool. Yeah, I there there is a definite jersey market that's out there. I I wanted to. I, there was at one point a decade or so ago that I was going to print up my own jerseys, where like I had a little list. I went to Michaels. I scouted out how much to iron on all the letters. It's like, man, each of these is going to cost me about twenty five bucks. It's like, but I really want. An Eckersley jersey. No, that was I wanted a Dan Cuisenberry. I think that was the big one. I wanted a Royals Cuisenberry, and a few other, you know, Willie McGee Cardinals. Great give me name. something like that. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. hey, I don't know. We got one coming in right at the end here from Matthew saying it's a toss up for him between Ian Stewart and Tom Murphy. Hmm. Tom Murphy another. was another one of those guys who, good guy, had a tough time here. We'll see how it ends up. Those guys actually have a a lot in common. <laughs> see, how, see, how, see how it ends up. But this was a lot of fun. So much fun. Uh, and we, we couldn't have done it without the without everyone following oh, us on Twitter and, and being in our, our chat room. So you gotta be, you know, uh join us at four or five every day, Monday through Friday. Because again, Drew, you and I could have gone back with our favorites, but it's way more fun to see, you know, our people reaching out to us and talking about the Jason Bates and the Johan Flans. Like, ah, I, I love I that. I could Love have sat that. here for two and a half hours. The name Daryl yes. Boston never would have popped into my head ever. Agreed. Yep. Same. Gerald Clark right. wouldn't have. Wild the Innocent right. would not have come up with that one. <laughs> Love Gerald Clark. Um, so yeah. Well, like you said, next week we'll have to do those Rockies Killers on Wednesday for the DFA show. Make sure you're subscribed to the the YouTube channel there. That's what that's when we're there on the YouTube. We're gonna be getting into some. What do we call? What do we call them? Weird ass injuries. <laughs> we gotta figure out the exact title here. But this was something that was suggested. Is this a wildly innocent question on Twitter? I think it was. Um, just to talk about the strangest injuries uh, in baseball history, just the ones we know. We're not gonna be encyclopedic. We're gonna go through a bunch. It's gonna be ridiculous and silly and a whole lot of fun. Make sure to join us for that on Wednesday and join us for the podcast in between them. That's for Tuesday also. That, that'll be fun. Uh, don't know for sure yet what we're talking about, but we'll let you know. Hopefully and, it's uh, in a weird way. I kind of hope it's not more Padres talk. You know, like, <laughs> oh yeah, they got Darvish and, uh, you know, Wilson Contreras and then the Cubs threw in Javi Baez and now they're going right. and getting the, the pitcher from Japan, Sugano. No, I, what if I as excited about- as it would be to see those guys, but uh, no thanks hour and 10 minutes and, and I don't want to wrap this up. So I'm just going to throw this into the ether and then walk away from it. But what no. if tomorrow we're talking about the Rockies acquiring Kevin Kiermeyer in a trade? And I saw that going Ooh, around. Thing. That wouldn't be too bad. That's, that would not be I too have, bad. I never get attached to like rumors like that because they almost never happen and do whatever. But when I, when I did see the Kiermeyer's name floated, I went, mm-hmm. actually, Almost only for my research purposes. Could you please do that? <laughs> Just so that I can do research about Coors Field. Could you do that for me, Rockies? So that's that's the only one I want. So you never know. I tell you what, um, if you throw in his uh, his buyout for the end of the next season, 
Kevin Kiermaier and Ian Desmond are essentially making the same thing. Allows Ian Desmond to stay down in that community. Sarasota is not very far away, and that could absolutely be some kind of win-win. I don't know if that, that that's really a, a fair match. I think Tampa is going to want you, you know a lot more. Yeah. But the money's yeah, the money's kind of there, and yeah. and twelve million in twenty twenty two. You can buy him out. He's only making you know thirteen million in twenty twenty three. So even if you just say okay, buyout, you could find a way where that could be your rocky center fielder. Um, and again, you you get something for nothing, especially if if you're not sure what's going to happen with Ian Desmond. Now you now you have something. Now you got a center fielder, and it it, it softens the blow with with David Dahl and all that jazz. And thank you for putting it into the ether. We, let's we throw it into the volcano, and maybe the gods will yeah. make it happen. Uh. I never get attached <laughs> to stuff like that, but just the thought of him at Coors Field actually entered my mind for a second. I went, shit, now I'm going to be upset if I don't get to see that. But purple. stick with us. You never know. You got to follow us on social media because if something like that happens, we will have immediate thoughts for you at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, and at DNVR underscore Rockies. If you subscribe to the DNVR.com, you'll be able to read almost immediately a statistical analysis and all kinds of other analysis of any moves like that should the Colorado Rockies actually do something like it. And if they don't, well, we'll be doing statistical analysis and other kinds of analysis of other things. Uh, so either way, we're going to be having fun here all throughout the offseason, despite the fact that we have no idea what's going to happen, not only just with the Colorado Rockies, but with Major League Baseball in general. We will let the future stay where it is. The future will also include a lot of fun podcasts for you this week, like we said. So keep hanging out with us. Keep subscribing to the DNVR.com. Keep being absolutely awesome. I promise you that we will keep being absolutely Patrick Lyons, Andrew Creaseman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.